Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, Nottingham Forest podcast, Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis, and we have witnessed the first game, and old problems have arguably resurfaced as Nottingham Forest were beaten 2 1 by Coventry City to a 97th minute goal yesterday. So, to discuss all that and look forward to the next few weeks of transfer wise and upcoming games, I'm joined by Reds reporter Sarah Clapson. Hello, Sarah, how are you? Hello, uh, I'm okay, Matt. How are you? Uh, yeah, uh, well, I started last week with a personal calamity, so I'll start this week. As I was saying before we start recording, I took my kids to their holiday club today, and the woman opened the door looking confused because holiday club doesn't start till tomorrow. So <laughs> if my kids are milling around in the background here, it's because of my personal incompetence. As not everybody <laughs> thinks you're intelligent, Matt. They really do. I don't think anyone thinks I'm intelligent. <laughs> and the voice you heard there returning to the podcast, of course, is Reds legend Gary Bertels. Gary, good morning. Are you well? Good morning. Yeah, not bad. Thank you. Good, 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 good. Right. Where shall we start? Um, Sarah, well, what I don't, actually, I'm not going to ask what the positives were because there was an <laughs> easy first question. What did you make of it overall? And then we'll break down into the talking points. Yeah, um, it was. A bit same old, same old, really. Um, same as last season. Forrest, I thought in the first half, looked okay. Um, there were some bright moments, some positive moments. Scored the goal, got ahead. Second half, they lost their way, took their foot off the, the pedal. Um, Coventry started to turn the screw. Forrest ran out of steam and... Yeah, it, the the equaliser, you could see it coming. And then there was only going to be one winner after that. And I think on balance, you'd probably have to say that it was the right result that Coventry deserved to, to win it. Um, I think that there are some mitigating factors for Forrest. Chris Uton explained afterwards the difficult build-up they've had. It's not an excuse, but it's it's something that has affected them. And um, they were without Lewis Graben and, and Joe Worrell, which wasn't great. They then lost Lower Combe So early in the first half to add to, to all of that. Um, Tobias Figueredo came on and he's not really featured in pre-season because he's had an injury of his own. So that there are there are circumstances there, but having gone 1-0 up, Forrest should have killed the game off. Um, they didn't do that. They invited the pressure on and they ended up losing it. What was your biggest gripe, Gary? Was it not going for the second goal and reverting to some very disappointing old habits of not being able to kill games off? Well, well, before before I say anything, I, the, the staggering fact that I saw yesterday were the, the stats that Sky Sports gave out about Forest last season. I'll read them out. You've probably already heard them. Goals scored, thir- uh, 37, next to worst in the league. Shot conversion rate, 24th, worst in the league. Shooting accuracy, 24th, worst in the league. And shots on target, 22nd, second worst in the league. Opposition box touches, 21st. Those stats are absolutely astounding. And that is why you'll never get promotion or anywhere near it. Because you can't do it. It's impossible when those stats hit you in the face. 
And it did seem again, like Sarah said, same old, same old. Yes, we got in front again. And you thought, right, let's just go for it. Let's just go and kill the game off. Because no disrespect to Coventry, they looked an average side. But then we made them look a, a possibly good side in the second half. And the fact that we played Colback and um, Yates in the same side against Coventry City, it, it just staggers me. There the were bright sparks, uh, Mighton, Brennan Johnson, absolutely great to watch them. They made things happen. But you can't count on two young kids to do that when you're losing games because that's not fair. Um, so it was a worrying first game. And it's a very tough league this season, without a doubt, with the teams that have come down from uh, you know the Premier League. Um, I'll pick up on something you said there. One of the things we talked about, or I sent you in the talking points before, was about Yates and Colback. I don't have such a problem with them playing together particularly, but does Yates have to fulfil more of a box-to-box role at least? Because you can't just leave four players to do all the attacking, can you? You're you're losing one man. You're just losing one man. You've got two in front of the back four protecting, and if they stay protecting, you're going to be overrun further up the pitch. And, you know, the distribution going forward at times wasn't particularly good. Bong, for me, just, he gave the ball away too much. Um, He was hitting the ball long. It was being overran. And having said that, I've got a bit of sympathy for him because he'd only got one player to hit, and that's Lyle Taylor. And with all due respect, you know, he's not the the best in the air. You know, he tries, he'll back in and try and make it difficult. But the number of times it was given away in that situation, uh, and that puts pressure on you again. And then when you start dropping deep and trying to hang on to a 1-0 lead, you drop deeper and deeper, you encourage opposition on, and like Sarah said, it was inevitable in the end. And what disappointed me about the winner is uh, Samba, you know, he made a terrific save initially, then nobody reacted from his save, then the ball got deflected again, and nobody reacted to that, and that's why McFadden scored. Because there were two reactions that could have happened, because there are a lot of red shirts around that particular area, and that was a disappointment for me. It's switching off, it's losing concentration. And that's the two, the two words, you know, you, you have to have at any level. If you lose those, that's what happens. There was no reaction after the save. And then it looked like it was the goalkeeper's fault that the ball went over the line. It wasn't. It was the people in front of him should have dealt with it better after he made that great save. Uh, right, let's go back to the beginning and work through it all then. The, the team news, Sarah, um, how long's Worrell out for and how long's Grabben out for, do you know? They're, they're hoping that Joe Worrell won't be too long. It, it, it's not the hope um, a serious injury. Um, they didn't want to put any kind of timeline on it, but hopefully it won't be too long. Um, Lewis Graben's self-isolating. Um, it, he's one of the players that have been affected in the, the number of um, coronavirus cases that Forrest had in the camp. Um, I think that... They're hopeful that he he might be involved at um, at the weekend, but if I was Chris Hutton, if I'm picking my team for for the midweek um, league cup clash, I wouldn't risk any of the senior players, particularly if I could help it. Um, I mean, the, there's some that might need a bit that need fitness, but he, I wouldn't. I mean, he doesn't have too many options. That's his problem, really, for that game. But you ideally want to. Um, save most of your first 11 for Saturday for uh, for the league game rather than risking them in the um, the League Cup. But to an extent, his hand's forced a little bit. Um, I suspect we'll probably see quite a few young players um, in that game because the strength in depth isn't really there. 
So of the players that came in then, Gary, I suppose Mbe Somar was probably going to start a left-back, but he was pushed into the centre. You've mentioned Bong a bit already. What did you make of that that back four? And how do you think Mbe So and a bit more on Bong, how did they do? Well, I've already said, you know, Bong didn't do it for me at all. I think his distribution was lacking. Um, he, he was partly his fault, I think, for one of the goals. O'Hare for, for Coventry was absolutely superb. That's what you want to see. You know, he was a constant thorn in Forest's side. He made things happen. He wanted to make things happen. He was creating things for other people all the time. You know, and they always seemed to have bodies in the box. And that's why they won the game in the end, because there were bodies in the box. Um, I think you've got to put it into perspective the centre-half. McKenna and Worrell last season were, you know, tremendous. We were one of the best defensively last season in the league, you know, which is fantastic. Chris is brilliant at that. But you have to get the other side of it right. You can't have just that. Say, oh, great defensively, because that don't get you anywhere. It, you know, it might just save you from relegation because you're not conceding, you know, as many goals as everybody else. But you ain't going to get in contention because you, you're just not scoring goals. Like I said, 37 goals. There was, any, was it Derby last season were worse than Forest for goals? You know, that had, that had to change. I think everybody at the end of last season said, right, yes, great defensively. If we get somebody in who's scoring goals, then, you know, we might have half a chance next season. And you know, we fully expected that might happen. I thought they might go for, is it Lucas Zhao at Reading? Mm. Scored 25 goals last season, didn't get promoted. You know, go and try and get somebody. Is that, I mean, he's a big lad. Uh, you know, he's a target. He'll score goals. He's a handful. You know, that, that was one I thought they might go for because it's Nottingham Forest we're talking about. And they've still got that draw of, you know, people wanting to come to a club like Nottingham Forest because, as I said, the owner's done, you know, put so much money in. He's invested so much money. And we were talking about lacking in depth of the squad. We weren't talking about that last season. We were saying we've got the biggest squad in the league by a country mile. We had about 40 players, didn't we, last season? So where have all the players gone? I mean, I know we've lost somebody, yeah, some of them, but um, you're going back to the COVID thing. You know, a lot of other clubs, you know, had problems as well with injuries um, and the like. And you get you get through it. You know, I went to, I went to see Mansfield on uh, Saturday against uh, Bristol Rovers and, you know, the atmosphere was brilliant, the crowd back in, but, you know, you watch the commitment and, you know, players getting forward and joining in and the creation that was going on. It was, it was a pleasure to watch, you know, both teams were at it for, for the 90 minutes and yeah, you just want to see Forrest be a little bit more positive in that final third because whoever plays up front is going to struggle, whether it's Graben, whether it's Taylor, because they're not getting enough support. You've already mentioned the fact that Colback and Yates hang back. I want to see somebody going past people. I mean, it just showed what you, what is possible with the, the goal. Uh, you know, that run down the right-hand side was absolutely... What's your got Gary... oh, I've, got Gary Mills trying... I've got Gary Mills trying to phone me. <laughs> I need to wait. Oh, dear. Typical of Millsy, that is. It's only from him for ages, and then he posts me. Um, what time? Yeah. So, I know, absolute, absolute certainty. So, yeah, it's it's a worrying start. It's only the first game of the season, you know, but we've got a tough one coming up this coming Saturday. And, mm. you know, the, the, you mentioned in commentary uh, on the game yesterday that they lost the first five games under Lamouche. And if you do that again, you can't keep recovering from those sort of starts, you know, because players will think, oh, here we go again. And it's the same lot of players who are there. There are no mm. new ones in there, or very few. And 
if that happens again, you can just see them getting stuck down there. You know, last season we got Garner, uh, you know, it was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, we haven't got anybody at the moment. We just hope something happens in the transfer market and we can all be lifted by that. Um, would you have done anything different with O'Hare? If you've got two holding midfielders, would you have man-marked him or something? He kept finding his pockets of space when, in theory, probably shouldn't really have been able to. He's obviously a very intelligent player, but could Forrest have nullified him a bit better? For me, he's, he's the epitome of how the game should be played. You know, he's, he's not frightened. He's not scared. He believes in his own ability. He'll just go and hurt you wherever he can. And the number of fouls that were given you know, against us for fouls on him, just tell you that you know it's difficult to stop it's I think you've got to have the belief that you're better than the opposition that's what we were always given when we played you know right okay respect your opposition but you're better than them so you go and do it and let them worry about you not as worry about them yeah respect them but you know you get on the front foot let O'Hare chase you back you know don't let him dictate you know what's going on on the pitch Although, you know, I watched him closely and I've got to say, you know, everything they're saying about him is is, is right. He's got a lot of ability and, uh, yeah, he caused us problems all the way through. Um, Sarah is the first game back in front of fans. And obviously for Coventry, it's been a few years away anyway. They've been playing at St Andrews. What was the atmosphere like and what difference do you think it made to each team? I mean, it must have done Coventry a favour without giving Forrest extra excuses. Yeah, absolutely. I think it did make a big difference for Coventry. The atmosphere was brilliant. Um, it, I really in, enjoyed that um, that side of it. It was great to have fans back anyway. Um, but just from both sets of fans at different points, it was just great. They were both so loud. Coventry, their fans really got behind them in the second half and they helped push them on. They just it gave them so much encouragement and, and they really started to, to ramp up the atmosphere. Um Forest fans were were great as well, particularly in the first half when um, when their team were on top. But second half, they didn't really have a lot to cheer about. Um, but it was so good having fans back. It it just makes such a difference. It just gives the game that extra something. Um, and you can see it helps the players as well. It feeds through onto the pitch. And Forest now have got two home games: the the cup game and the um, the league game next week. So you've got to hope that being back at the city ground can make a big difference for them. It's not it's not an excuse by any means, but it does help. It really, really does help having a crowd behind you. Um, one of the points I want to talk about as we go through the game. Forest actually started quite brightly, but their set piece delivery I thought was really poor. And David asks about um, Joe Lolly, Gary. I thought it was good that he looked physically fit, but he wasn't at it yesterday in terms of quality in the final third. What did you make of Lolly? And you still hopeful he'll get back to the player he was? Well, everybody would like to think so. Um, you're right about the set pieces; they were abysmal. Uh, they, you know, they were overhit the majority of them at the far post. And then he tried to change it, and they went near post and got cut out. The problem is, people now try and be too precise. You don't need to be precise. You just need to put it in an area where your teammates can attack it. You don't need to whip it in with pace, whatever. Just get it away from the goalkeeper. How many times did it go into their goalkeeper's hands? Mm. And he just came out and caught it and, you know, put them on the attack pretty quickly. Just put it in between the penalty box and uh, the penalty spot and the six-yard box. That gives you, your teammates a chance to attack it. But they didn't. I don't think they had a corner all game. I think we had five corners and they didn't have one. Um, and yet those five corners were pretty dismal. No doubt in Joe Lolly's ability, but 
he's he's got to get back to what he was. He's got to get more consistent. And um, we know he can change games. I mean, that shot that hit the boy in the face, I mean, that was goal-bound. Uh, it just so happened it was a decent block, a d- decent double block. Um, he is capable, but the consistency levels have got to be better from everybody, not just from Joe Lolly. Um, it's it's not the start anybody wanted whatsoever. It was a start, I thought, great. We're not at home, first game of the season. Pressure's off. You know, pressure will be on Coventry, back at their ground. And, you know, it, it, the crowd did work for them, but you have to try and work the crowd as the opposition as well. I mean, we had four, was it four and a half thousand there? I mean, they were fantastic, our fans, making all that noise. And it was just that second half. It's just, you just got to go right back to last season, get in front. You try and defend a one goal lead against anybody. And it isn't easy because second half, they were moving the ball so quickly. Substitutions at half time, Mark Robbins were very good. They all paid off. And it was the one thing that caught my eye was the movement and they kept trying to switch the play diagonally. And yeah, a couple went out of play, but you know, they were doing it the right way. They were trying the right things. If you try the right things for the right intentions, it goes wrong. Just, you know, that's okay. And the, the players were holding their hands up and saying that. Um, but we just, you know, we just sat back again and you're thinking it's just deja vu again. And we don't want to see what happened last season. We don't want to be down there. We don't want to be struggling. We just want to be lifted. And uh, that's got to happen pretty quickly now. Um, just talking through the goal, Gary, from a striker's point of view. And obviously, you know, good ball from Brennan Johnson, um, from Mbeso and brilliant from Johnson and good movement from Taylor. Yeah, it was textbook stuff, wasn't it? It's what strikers do. You know, that's, that's what he's there for. Um, you know, Neil Harris was the uh, guest and uh, Glenn Murray and both of them said, you know, proper strikers all that's what we feed off. That's what we thrive on, that sort of delivery. The defender was unlucky. He tried to clear it and he stubbed his foot. Um, but then, you know, at that point, you think we, we were playing well. It was going well for us. They were under a little bit of pressure. The nerves were showing for them. But they went in. We didn't, you know, we didn't get another one. And like I say, the changes he made started to work. And, you know, they stepped it up and they put us under pressure constantly, not, you know sporadically and the more they do that to you or they did that to us the deeper we drop and the more difficult it is to then counter and get any sort of momentum going yourself and it was inevitable in the end by the look of it that it was going to be an equaliser and then you were desperate to say right let's let's settle for a point but we couldn't do that and that's the disappointing thing about those last 10 or so minutes um if we talk about Johnson and Mighton then, Sarah. I mean, they got booted from pillar to post, which might set a trend for the season to come. They're obviously going to be targeted. How, how good were they? I, was, I, I suppose Johnson was better, wasn't he? But Mighton was good as well. Yeah, they were both very good. Um, it just shows when you have a bit of pace in the side what difference it can make. They they were both far too quick for Coventry at times. And the only way that the opposition could stop them was to hack them down. And they both had so many fouls against them um, that... They, they made a difference. Brennan Johnson's run for that goal was just typical, really, of what he has to offer. He, he's just so good at driving forward and, and make, like Gary said, making things happen. Um, Alex Mighton was very lively as well. He he got forward when he could. He tried to create things. Um, they are, they show there is that youthful promise there. And they say as well, we mentioned him as well. Jordan Gabriel, I thought he did pretty well at, at, um, at right back. So Forest do have those good young players. It's 
getting the best out of them and making sure that you have a core around them to, to complement that and to to put a, a plan in place that um, gets the best out of them. Um, I mean, they're, they're young players, they're probably going to have ups and downs throughout a season. Um, I think there was a lot of expectation around Brennan Johnson because of what he'd done at Lincoln last year. Fans are excited to see him. There's that that expectation for him to go and then show he can do it in the championship. And he didn't look like anything phased him. He didn't look out of place at all. We've seen a bit more of Mighton um, in a forest shirt last year. He looks to have kicked on again. He can make a big difference this year. But it's getting the best out of them. It's making sure that you... Um, like I say, put a pan in place that that complements them and, and makes the most of what they have to offer. Will they keep them? I mean, obviously, there's question marks over Gabriel for bringing in a, another right back. And like you said, I thought he did well, actually. And obviously, there's so much interest in Johnson. Do you expect one or both of those or someone like Warrell to go still? Sarah, sorry. I I think we we might well do. Um, there There is still the interest there in... Um, Jordan Gabriel particularly, Forrest have already rejected bids for, for Brennan Johnson. I think based on that performance, he's probably added a few more figures to his price tag because he, he was really good. He'll have caught the eye of, of other clubs because of that. Um, he's the kind of player that clubs need. Everybody wants that exciting player with with a lot of promise ahead of him. He's still got his best years in the future. Um I'm sure there'll be other clubs starting to sniff around now. It's just whether Forest fend them off um, and whether they decide to keep all of them. Mm. What would you do with um, the, the transfer situation, Gary? I mean, you could cash in on one of these young players, but if you cash in on Johnson, you're already taking out you know a huge chunk of your attacking threat, which, as we said, is pretty limited already, isn't it? Yeah, and there's talk of Lewis Graben moving, isn't there? I saw something in the paper. He's on about going to Saudi Arabia with Lamushi. Um, I don't know if anybody's heard that. I saw that somewhere, which uh, quite no, surprised talk me. Of, talk of Taylor going to Birmingham as well. So, yeah. Right, so, uh, yeah, who we got left then? Um, yeah, it's been a very quiet transfer window, hasn't it, sort of thing, or transfer movement. Grealish might just trigger things. If Harry Kane goes, it might trigger things. Uh, but it's been very, very quiet. Not Not a lot of teams have been spending money. Um, but the teams who have got no money, again, we, we spoke about this before, Coventry win, one of the probably the lowest budgets in the league. Luton beat Peterborough 3-0. Magnificent season they had last season. And I looked at Coventry again, I'm thinking, they've got two, two, two strikers up front here, you know, two players to hit, two players to have an outlet for. And it works for, you know what Waggon's all about. You know, we've played against Waggon many times. But the other boy who scored the goal, you know, he was a threat as well. And you think, well, why don't we try something different at, at times? Because so many times last season, we saw a striker isolated and, you know, being given stick, maybe for the right reasons at some point, but for the wrong reasons at other points, because the service was never going to be easy because it has to be pinpoint accuracy all the time. If you're trying to pick a cross out and there's one player in the box, it's virtually impossible to get it right. And... Something has got to change. The system has got to change in some shape or form because those stats that I mentioned that, that Sky put on the screen yesterday, they were horrendous in terms of your season, that you're in the bottom in every category in, that's important, apart from defending, obviously. And they mentioned that 
you know, we were one of the better defensively. But like I said before, defensively, if you're good, it's not going to get you promoted. It'll it'll stop you maybe getting relegated, but you have to have positivity in that final third. And it's, it just doesn't look positive at the moment, apart from the two young lads. And I said before, it's going to be unfair because the expectation levels will go sky high with those two lads because of what people saw. I mean, the three best players on the pitch were those, for me, those two and uh, O'Hare. And isn't it daunting that, you know, it's O'Hare, one of our great players at Nottingham Forest. He's got the same name and he was one who went and undid us. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what the way forward is. You know, Chris will know that. I don't know if he's got money to spend. You know, we've got to speculate on that, whether there's anything out there for him. Um, so the next few weeks could be very interesting. Um, what are you expecting, Sarah? Obviously, Zink and Eagle signed on the eve of the game and, and came on and looked a bit rusty, but it's understandable. Are you hopeful there's going to be three or four decent players coming through the door? Yeah, oh, they they desperately need them. I don't think you could argue otherwise that they have to get signings in. Forrest know that. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's it's necessarily a bad thing that they've taken their time over it. They're taking a long time over it, admittedly, but making sure that they get the right players in is so key. And it is a slow market. It's a really strange window. They're not the only team that have struggled to get business done at the minute. It is. It is, I think, going to be um, one that goes right to the wire in terms of getting deals done. Um, they need some. They need strengthening at fullback. They need a midfielder in. They need a striker in. I think they probably still need somebody who can play on the wing and in that number ten role for for different options. There is still a lot of work to be done. But the club are well aware of that. That it's not like that they think that this is the squad that that Chris Hutton is going to have to work with for the rest of the season. That's not the case. It's just getting these deals done. They need to get it done fairly quickly. Um, I mean, time is already running out in in August anyway. But it's a case of making sure they get the right players. Um, and I, I think for me, this summer is still better than last year in the sense that it's not been panic buying yet they've not just gone on some shopping spree and brought in players left right and center because they they felt that they needed to there is a bit of time being taken over it and a bit of and, and consideration over who they bring in and that's when you can judge the squad i think come the end of the window that's when you have a, a better platform to be able to say well forest have got this many strikers, they've got this many um, midfielders, they've got these full-backs. The minute, this isn't Chris Hutton's squad. Could I just interject a little bit there, Sarah? Sorry to interrupt you, but last season, we had that massive squad, so it wasn't the same, it wasn't the same problem. We had a lot of players. If there's any injuries, the, the, the squad was that big that people could come in. Now, but it wasn't squad, a good looking... squad, though, was it, in the end? The, the yeah, players they brought in didn't do anything. Yeah, but it was a big squad. You know, oh no, Garner coming in and Kravinovic, you know, those oh, in January, they, they though. Yeah, but I'm saying the squad was a big, big squad at that particular point. It's mm. not big now. It's a very small, much smaller squad because they got rid of players. And if you get a few more injuries or whatever, and you don't bring people in, and you've just said Taylor might be off to Birmingham, Graben might be off to Saudi Arabia, where do you go then if that happens pretty quickly? It's going to be. I would have been looking at players, what, about a couple of months before the season ended, you know, having a list of players thinking, right, let's go for him, let's go for him, or, you know, that position needs filling. 
maybe it does. Maybe it's been done. Maybe people didn't want to sell the players. I don't know because we're not privy to that information. But because of how bad it was going last season, I thought that you know might have been in place the list of players a long time before the end of the season. You know, putting the feelers out. That's what usually happens. And and getting the squad right for this first game of the season. And that's not happened. Mm. I suppose the concern now is they're going to be going to clubs and they're going to look a little bit desperate, aren't they? The clubs know that Forest need players. Agents are going to be asking for God knows what money. Clubs are going to be asking for the same. They're battling for James Garner against Sheffield United, Stoke and everyone else. It's all a bit... It's a bit. Does it even now at this stage of season? It feel like it's a bit on a bit of a knife edge, Sarah, or am I getting ahead of myself there? I don't. No, I don't think so at the minute. Um, I, I still think come the end of the window, they'll manage to get, they'll get some signings in. They they will have a better squad than they've got now. It's it's just who, hmm. and how many, and what the that strength in depth looks like. Um, come the end of August, and the options that Chris Hutton has, I still don't think there's. It's not it's not a great situation, but I still don't think there's any need to panic over the lack of signings just yet. Um yeah, ideally you want them in. Ideally you want them in at the start of pre-season. The manager wants to work them throughout the summer. He said that. He's um frustrated that it, it is taking time. But the flip side of that is if you it, like I say, if you go on like they did last season and just bring players in and they prove not to be the right players, for me it's better to take time over it and, and make sure that you get the deals done that you want mm-hmm. um, I wanted to talk about the second half and kind of I've written down game management here it's a real football term I suppose the crux of the issue for me is where does the balance lie between Covid really messing up pre-season uh, which led to the players tiring and where whether the manager is too cautious with substitutions and getting players on earlier and too cautious tactically Gary how much of the finger is pointed at Forrest and the manager and how much is down to circumstance that did mess things up a bit going into the game because they had two friendlies cancelled on the eve of the season? Well, the manager will always get the stick, won't he? Because he picks the team, he brings the players in and that's what managers know and they accept it. It's, it's part of football, it always has been. But we've never encountered anything like this before with COVID. You know, it's totally nonplussed everybody. It's been going on two years and it's been very difficult for everybody, for every football club, you know, financially, uh, players getting COVID, picking COVID up. Um, you know, you, you, then I compare that to the Olympics. You know, the Olympics took two weeks and there were very few people who got COVID in there. You know, a couple before start of the start of the games couldn't do it. But those athletes went right the way through it and it was a fantastic, you know, two weeks of athletics and sport. So, you know, to blame COVID you know, on a, on a build-up, I, I think... Maybe got to be wrong. If they if you get it, then yeah, understandable. You have to do the right things, but then there should be the players around to come in and be able to fill those holes. It, it's just more or less saying, well, we've had four injuries. Um, you can still get the the you know the the whole squad training outside. Uh, I don't know the full circumstances. None of us do about the COVID situation. How long it lasted? How many were there? But. <sighs> I don't know whether to blame that is just hiding behind the the loss. I, I'm not sure because I'm you know nobody's privy to what goes on there, you know because you don't get that information out of football clubs anymore. Uh, you used to hear whispers, people used to tell you what was going on, but you know we know what football is now. You know very little comes out any football club unless they need it to come out. 
Um, COVID has, has been massively dif difficult. I know that for, you know, personally over the past couple of years um, with my situation, you know, with not being able to have carers in for my wife and everything, you know, I had to do, I was a sole carer and all that sort of thing. So I know exactly, you know, how difficult it is and how it does affect everybody. Um, but, you know, you've got, you've got to say, right, okay, that first game's out the, out the way now. Let's not say anything about COVID. Let's just go out and play football. Let's be positive. You know, we've been desperate to get back into this situation of life. Uh, crowds coming back in. I was at Mansfield, as I said, and there were 6, 000, over 6,000 there. Uh, Bristol Rovers sold out their end. And the atmosphere was fantastic. The smiles on everybody's faces was brilliant. And it made such a difference. You know, I was sat there and, you know, the, the atmosphere around was just incredibly good. So let's just hope that continues. And Sarah said about the game on Saturday, you know, home games at the city ground are so loud, you know, so vociferous and, you know, it's, it's bouncing there and we need those fans and they, they will be there and they'll, you know, try everything they possibly can to lift us. And uh, we need lifting after the first game because, you know, we look at the fixtures coming up um, and they're, they're tough. They're all going to be tough because, as I said, the, the teams that have come down from the Premier League, Sheffield United lost to Birmingham. You know, nobody saw that coming. You know, that was a coupon buster. And, you know, nobody probably saw Forrest getting beat by Coventry. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's going to be one. It, it's always tough in the championship. But this, this season, again, looks particularly difficult. Myself, sorry. Um, I suppose the big thing reading online after the game is around positivity, like Gary mentioned, Sarah. Is that stick or twisting? A bit like the Euros final. When you want it up, do you go for the second goal? And Chris Hewitt's nature always seems to be not to really gamble and go for the second. And I wonder whether they should have done because they probably suspect in the back of their mind they might flag in the last 20 minutes after you know the events building up to the game. Is that is that fair that fans would like to see a bit more positivity, do you think? Yeah, well, I think so. Every fan wants to see their team attacking. Don't they? Nobody particularly likes um, to see some your team sit back and try and defend a 1-0 lead. It's not really what you, you go to football matches for. Um, everybody wants to see exciting, entertaining football. I think, it, it, yeah, in hindsight, I'm sure Forrest will sit there and say, yeah, we, we should have... We should have gone for that second goal. It's something really that they should have learned from last season. We we did see it a lot. It's um, it's not like it's a, a new problem that's that's cropped up on the opening day. I think they, Chris Hewton said in his press conference afterwards that they were tired. You could see that they couldn't um, live with the kind of tempo that that Coventry had in those closing stages. But at that point, you need to make good decisions, and he felt that Forrest didn't. If you if you you kind of relying on that, then you, you need to give yourself more of a cushion. If if you're only one 0 up and the other team's starting to get a grip on the game, as Coventry did fairly early in the second half, you're inviting trouble. You you're giving yourself you know there's questions there to be answered, and it, you're not helping yourself in that sense. Forest needed to to push on. They needed to to kill, to kill the game off, like we've said, and. The fans started to get behind Coventry. That didn't help. Um, it, it just, they didn't put themselves in the best situation, I think, going into the, that sec in that second half. Um, they needed to do more. Um, and yeah, then you're relying on your fitness. And and obviously their levels at the minute aren't quite where they'd like them to be. It, it, it's all it's easy in hindsight, I suppose. But um, yeah, I, I don't think they approached that second half in the right way. 
Mm. It's the first I mean, game of the season. If we're talking 20 games in, I could understand fitness levels and things like that, but preparation is paramount before the season. When I when I'd finished the season, I would have a two-week break and then I would start training myself again. I would start ticking over and, you know, upping it until the first day of pre-season training so I could go back in there and I was absolutely hitting the floor running. And I love running. You know, I love training. And I was so professional in the way I went about it because I wanted to be the best shape I could possibly be in. Because, you know, I, I, I think 136 games in two seasons. So when you play that many games, you have to be fit. And that's that was my reason, for, you know, all the time for preparing myself. You know, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. You know, it, it's a, it, the adage that always jumps out at you. So I think blaming tiredness on the first game of the season for me just doesn't wash. There are other teams who've, I'm sure, had COVID problems as well. Um, I know, you know, I know teams have, and you know, I know I speak to Nigel about some of the problems he's had, and you just get on with it. You know, you don't blame it. You don't, you know, say, well, it, you know, we were tired at the end, we we're flagging. That that really tells people, well, hold on a minute, it's only the first game of the season. You know, you've got a big squad. Even if your better players are out, which some of them were. The ones who have got to come in have got to be fit. You know, they're not all not fit. They're not all had COVID. So the ones that come in, you know, how can you use that as an excuse? Um, it's, it's baffling a little bit to me. Yeah, COVID is a, it, it hits people in different ways at different ages. Of course it does. Um, but, you know, a lot of other clubs, have, so I've been told, have, have had problems with COVID. And you, unfortunately, you just have to get on with it. There's nothing else you can do. You know, and if you start blaming it and blaming the tiredness and, and bringing that into it, then people start questioning it a little bit. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm as desperate as anybody. I'm so desperate for that football club, you know, I was lucky enough to play for, to be successful. I really am. I'm desperate for Chris to be successful. You know, he's a, a cracking bloke. Uh, you know, he's, I played against him many years ago. Terrific player. And, you know, you just want... One of our managers that we've had over the past, I don't know how many we've had, you want one of them to succeed and everybody wants Chris to succeed. But to succeed, you know, maybe you've got to bring the right players in, you've got to change your system. I said earlier, I don't think, you know, this is no, again, disrespect to Coventry. Against Coventry, you know, playing Colback and, and um, Yates, <laughs> I think Coventry, when they saw the team sheet, would have quite enjoyed that. You know, because of O'Hare, you know, the way he plays, he'll test people and he'll put you on the back foot. And it's difficult when you're on the back foot then to get on the front foot and, and start doing what you want to do. And after the first goal, first off, no problems at all. But that is a time when the t you've got the team under the cosh a little bit. Right, we're going to get that second. And if we'd have got that second, no way they'd have come back into the game. Not a chance. Guarantee it. But the longer the game went on, you've got to, you've got to give Mark Robbins great credit he changed things at half-time. How often do you see managers go by the textbook and do it on the hour? He didn't. He saw something he thought he could change by the players he could put on. And it changed the second half. So, you know, don't always go to the, the hour mark, say, right, substitutes now. If it's wrong, do it when you think it's wrong, even if it's in the first 35 minutes of a game. You know, have, have the, you know, foresight to do that. And... Once they got on the front foot and, you know, started putting pressure on, we found it difficult to get out our own half a little bit. And when we did, 
Taylor was isolated, you know, as we've seen, you know, last season. That's why we only scored 37 goals. And all those facts that Sky did put out on the screen, that's why those facts were there and they, they were right, you know, because, you know, we're, we're not good in that final third. We don't get enough action in that penalty box. We don't create enough chances. And if that goes on again this season, how many seasons on the trot can you do it and get away with it? That's my, my worry. Mm-hmm. I suppose Sarah, the manager, looks around at his bench and doesn't really fancy it. I mean, he had to bring Figueredo on, who I don't think could be fully fit. He's missed most of pre-season uh, through injury, so he does have an excuse. I think Figueredo does that. He didn't play as well as Embe. So he didn't bring Carvalho on. And he can sort of understand that. I mean, you wonder whether he should go for the second goal and get him on. But do you think he thinks, hang on a minute, I really need some signings here? And he's, and he's showing that with the way he's gone about his substitutions. Yeah, he didn't really have too many options. Um, once you'd brought Zinconagel on, um, Carvalho really was the only other kind of attacking option. You've got a few younger players on there. There yeah, wasn't Catherine, really any... Catherine came on and played as a striker, yeah. didn't he, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but other than that, there was nobody there. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, without without grabbing and, and having to start Lyle Taylor, you've got no other striker option. Um, Nuno da Costa is still injured. I'm not sure that he would have been first choice to come on anyway and make a difference but there's no real options there that's that's where he's struggling um I thought Zinconagel actually did okay when he came on he can take a good corner which is something yeah that's true uh, he did take a good corner yeah um hopefully he can continue that and hopefully he can come in and, and make a difference once he gets a bit more settled in and gets more game time um I think like you say he did look a little bit rusty but with time I think he can be a good signing, but you need more of them. You need more players um, because the options aren't there. And you could see that when Chris Uton looked at his bench, I'm not sure what else really he could have done to try and change things. You want to come it's, in, it's not, you can talk about the, the, you know, the game yesterday, but it, we've already spoken about it. it was exactly the same last season. You know, and we had a big, big you know, bigger squad last season. You know, it was get a goal in front and try and hang on. It was never right. Let's go and win this game three 0 and that's you, you've got to have that winning mentality because in today's climate, the the fitness levels of teams now is, is so high that if you just sit back a little bit and try and nullify it, they've got enough about them to go and get back in the game. So why not just say right, thirty five minutes? Was it thirty five minutes? We're one nil up. Right, okay. Let's not sit back. Let's just right as. as if we're tired, if we have got the excuse of being tired and COVID, right, let's go for that second goal as much as we can. And if we get the second goal, then we can try and, you know, game manage it and try and win the game because it was very unlikely that they would have won the game had we got that second goal. But I don't think we did that after the first goal. It was, you know, like you said, Sarah, last season, same old, same old, um, watching the same sort of procedure and it, it failing again and getting beat late on. How many games last season did we get beat late on? You know, you've got to learn your lessons from those situations. I mean, can you remember how many games we actually lost in the last 10, 15 minutes last season? Quite a few, weren't there? Mm. Mm. Yeah. You know, so you've got to learn those lessons, no matter how fitness levels are. It's the first game or the 20th game. You have to say, right, OK, one nil up. Let's go and finish this off if we can. Let's put all the pressure on. Play, put Mighton alongside Taylor. You know, just go and do that. If you lose the game, fine. You're losing it positively. 
but losing it in that way again, it's just, you know, it just rankles with you a little bit. Mm. So they've got um, Bradford in the Carabao Cup this week, Gary. I mean, a win breeds confidence. So would you go strong and try and win the game? And the manager says about players need match fitness. So you could argue they play and they get more match fitness. Or do you give youngsters a go and have a look at them and see if there's someone who can emerge from the pack and make a difference? This game uh, on Tuesday now, for me, doesn't matter a, a, a jot uh, because it's the, the game Saturday matters more than anything now because you can't, if you lose a game on Saturday, you're then behind the eight ball straight away and your confidence levels are rock bottom early in the season. So I would, you know, again, we don't know what the procedure is within the squad at the moment, who's fit, who's not, you know, who's had COVID, who's not, and how it's affected everybody. You know, Chris will know that and hopefully he'll see the game as he has to see it. You know, he'll have to pick a team. He thinks if he needs players to get fitness levels up, then play those players against Bradford, but prepare totally for Saturday. Yeah, we all like to see a cup run, but the league is so much more important. Prepare for Saturday, get that right, get that squad as fit as you can for, for Saturday and then, you know, take it from there because you have to get something out of that game. A point will do Saturday, um, you know, but get that's, that's the priority for me now. Yeah, it's a good game to have. It's good that Chris can bring players in, have a look at players that might, you know, jump at, at the chance of playing next Saturday. So it's important in that respect, but in no other respect at all. Um there's two other points I want to talk about before we go. Firstly, Sarah, would Forrest have lost that game with Worrell on the pitch, do you think? There were some tired, not tired minds, there were some poor decisions at the end of the game in terms of seeing a game out with a leader like Worrell. Would they have Would they have maybe got over the line, do you think? What difference did it make not having him? Yeah, I think he would have helped. I mean, he's a presence more than anything, isn't he? He's, he's, like you say, he's a leader and he does help settle things down in the in the back line when... Coventry was starting to get on top um, and starting to run Forest ragged a little bit. You you have the impression that Joe Wall wouldn't allow that. He'd try and stamp that out. He does make a big difference. Um, whether he, he would have changed the result or not, I, I don't know. I think it would be more down to Forest needing to get a second goal rather than anything. Um, but he would have helped, um, absolutely. He, he does make a big difference and you have to hope that he's not out for long um, mm. because... He, He's a, a huge player. He, he really, really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, the thing about the, the two goals, there was a bit of misfortune in, in you know, the, the bounces and the, um, you know, the um, the ricochets. But you, you have to capitalise on those ricochets if you're in that position. And Coventry did that. But for the, was it the second goal when O'Hare was right out near the byline or the, or the touchline? And there's Bong and somebody else, I can't remember who it was. And he's gone past two of them like they weren't there. You know, that is not acceptable. Keep him out there. Don't let him just do his tricks. Face him away from where, you know, he's, he's being dangerous. But he didn't. He turned. Yeah, he got a bit of luck. But he got a bit of luck because he deserved a bit of luck because he was positive. He wanted to make something happen. He did make something happen. His cross wasn't the best. Should have played it a little bit earlier. But he got the luck. He, he deserved because of what he did previous. It got the uh, ricochet. The boy drove it in the net. And then, you know, the, like I say, I've already said about the second goal, the lack of reaction from defenders, and there were a lot of defenders and, and red shirts around it after Samba had made the save. You know, it, 
it wasn't good enough. You, you cannot do that at any level. You have to react. You have to respond. You have to expect the unexpected. And we didn't do that. And that's why we lost the game. Yeah, Sarah, Sky were quite critical of Samba for the second goal. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch it back and I didn't think it was his fault particularly, but um do you see well what did yeah, I mean what do you make of Samba's performance? I thought he was okay to be fair. Yeah, I thought he, other than the, the goals he conceded, he didn't really have too much to do. He didn't have too many saves to make. I don't think that I don't think he was particularly at fault for that one. I wouldn't put it down to him. Maybe um he might think he could have done better himself, but I I don't think that was um, that was his problem. Um, I still think on uh, in in the cup game we might see Ethan Horvath. Um, mm. I'm sure that Chris Uden will want to have a look at him because he hasn't played yet. He didn't get his opportunity in pre-season with the two friendlies that were cancelled. Um, so I'm sure or, or, or expect that he'll get a run out, and it'd be interesting to see how he does because he's been brought in as competition to to push Bree Samba. It's it's Bree Samba's shirt to lose. He's number one or he's not wearing the number one shirt but he's the the first choice he's established himself over the last two seasons but if you've got somebody who comes in and does well all of a sudden then that that's putting pressure on him um, and I think that's what he probably needs if you've got somebody else in your position that's doing well that helps you step up um if you, you're looking over, over your shoulder thinking well this guy's coming and, and he's doing all right I've got to up my my game that might help him. He's not really had too much competition in the time that he's he's been at Forest in that sense. So it'll be interesting to see if Horvath does play how he does. Yeah, that's why I asked about Samba because there's a there's a scenario, isn't there, where rather like Samba took Murich's shirt, Horvath comes in and takes Samba's shirt potentially, isn't there? Mm, yeah, I mean, it's always a big call when you change your goalkeeper. I don't think managers like to do that during the season um, because it's it's a different position and it you ideally want your defense to know who's behind them and, and to get used to playing together and it, it's a, a big decision to make but if you're trying to win games you go with your best team you go with your best players and if it, it proves that Horvath is better than Samba then I don't think Chris Hutton will have any hesitation in swapping his keeper but again how anybody can blame him for that second goal I don't know you know, because his save initially was absolutely superb. His reaction, he had to get down low. He's palmed it away. And like I said, no reaction from defenders. Then it came again. Another no reaction. I was watching the European Cup final again. It was on one of the stations the other night. And against um, uh, not, not, uh, Hamburg. We got battered, absolutely battered by Hamburg in that final. Kevin Keegan and everybody. And I watched defensively how well we did in that game to win that game. Because... They were so much on top of us. And the goalmouth action was there. And when Shilton saved it, and when the ball was, you know, bouncing around, the reaction of those defenders and the concentration levels of those defenders was just incredible. You know, they, they could have scored three or four, and they, they would have done without those concentration levels. And people say, well, yeah, that was a different level. But it doesn't matter about different levels. It, no matter what level you're at, you have to be responsible in your particular areas. You have to switch on all the time no matter whether you're mentally tired or not. And at that particular point, the games we played over the two seasons, we were mentally and physically absolutely at the ball game. But still, those concentration levels were there. And on Sunday, yesterday, the lack of reaction to those saves was just non-existent. You know, it, it, was, it was made easy for, you know, for both goals because of, of lack of 
thinking, right, that, that might bounce to him here. I'm going to block this. I'm going to throw myself at this. There's no throwing themselves at it. And I, I have to blame defenders for that a little bit more than the goalkeeper. Mm. Uh, Sarah or Gary, finish off by giving us some reason for optimism. It's been very doom and gloom. Take, give me one positive from the game, Sarah. <laughs> um, Brennan Johnson, he, he was brilliant, and, and Alex Mighton. Um, and the other thing is, it's only the first game. Um, I know it's just, it is. It feels like it's a continuation of last season, but it's still only one game, and there is still a long way to go in the transfer window. Forest will make signings. They will have a better squad come the end of August, um, and they've got to hope then that that translates onto the pitch. Yes, I hope you're right. They certainly need some players in if they're going to uh, step up from where they were yesterday. But I thought Johnson and Mighton were certainly excellent. Right, Gary, do you have anything else you want to say before I uh, bring us to a halt? Unless you've got anything you want me to say, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I mean, look, it is the first game of the season. It's easy to be critical, but that's what we're here to, you know, we, we can't just sit here and say, well, yeah, that was all right. Yeah, that was. If you see that something's wrong, you have to say it. You know, no matter how much you might get pilloried for it or, you know, the club might think, oh, crikey, what's, what's he saying? You, you do it because you care. It's not being critical for critical reasons at all. It's because you care so much about the football club. And I, I just want to see positivity. And the one factor for me, the one plus point, is it's early in the season. We've got time to put it right. And we've got a game on Tuesday. I'm going to the game on Tuesday, so I'm really looking forward to that. You know, so I can have a look and, and, and see what, you know, is changed from yesterday. And then the preparation is paramount for the weekend. Absolutely paramount. And... You know, if we can win that game of the weekend and get something tomorrow, then the mood changes. You know, if you lose tomorrow and you lose on Saturday, the mood's going to be absolutely rock bottom. And that's the one thing you want to avoid more than anything else. You need to keep that smile on players' faces. You need to keep that, you know, confidence level right up. And I'm sure Chris is trying to do that this week. That That's what he'll be trying to do, lifting people, getting people a little bit fitter. And let's just hope we can uh, move forward because we have to. Exactly. Gary, it's good to have you back on form, unlike Forrest, first straight away in the first game of the season. And happy birthday for recently as well. Oh, yeah, thanks for that. Got my bus pass coming now. Good, good. Uh, Sarah, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Oh, Sarah, you're going to have to host this next week, I think, aren't you? I'm not around. I shall oh, try and follow your footsteps. I'm away. Are you at Kids Club? Am I kids club? No, I, well, I am the I am the kids club looking after my kids. Somewhere. How professional is that? The season starts and you're away. I've got to go away sometimes. Bloody summer holidays, six life. weeks long, guys. That's six weeks. There's six you weeks of school. When we were at school, it felt like it was too short. Now it feels like it's never ending. Trying to put <laughs> kids somewhere. You enjoy yourself anyway, Matt. You know, I'm, I'm sure Sarah will just look after the program particularly well. Yes, yeah, not too much. <laughs> Thanks for everyone who's uh, watched long and listened long as normal and dropped comments in and do give us a good review, as I always say, because it does help to uh, get the word out there and get people listening to the podcast. And uh, we, but not me, will see you next week. Thanks very much, everyone. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.